It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Welcome to ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitri. I want to say thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listener today. And remember, wherever you download your podcast, just make sure we are free and available. And you make sure you leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate that for you in advance. And as we mentioned yesterday, Locked On Sports Atlanta is now on Roku and Amazon Fire. So, hey, if you're sitting at home and you're watching your TV and you don't feel like turning on your phone, Hey, go ahead and download those apps and pull us up because we love pulling up on you each and every day, Monday through Friday, right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. But, T, when I tell you Kyle Wright was just what the doctor ordered last night and Kyle Pitts will be targeted more, we'll tell you exactly how that's going to go down. And last but not least, and for the culture, Chris Lindstrom out here just spreading all the love and prime dropping some good knowledge once again we talk about all that but before we get there we have to talk about the Braves they get the win five to one um last night t and i think uh it's safe to say that dance swanson was leading the way two for five with three rbis hey you know this man is just a contract year right <laughs> i think we come to expect him in, in these certain situations right and it's so good to see him get back to doing Kyle Wright kind of things, right? Right. And one of the things I love that Brian Snicker said post-game, and I have to agree, is even when he got into a little bit of trouble early, he settled down so quickly. And that just goes to the maturity factor, right? He got his right. extra day because he was dealing with a little bit of arm fatigue. Thank goodness it wasn't as bad as it was the last time around, so it only took one day. Well, would we not say that that day was worth it? Absolutely, we would say that the day was worth it. And then, like you said, just getting such a great we, – we still didn't have bats that were really hot last night. They were still mostly quiet, but we got just enough from Michael Harris II and just enough from Dansby to be able to walk away with that win on a night where, as we like to troll and be petty here, and remind you that the folks out in Queens didn't do what they were supposed to do. We are talking about those Mets that thank you so, thank you so much for metting. And thank you so much for the guys on the south side of Chicago or wherever the heck you are in Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) This train I took. The good guys, yeah. Yeah. In the shy, thank you for doing your job and beating them. So now it's half a game and we're starting to have that conversation again. Yeah, it just feels so good to be able to talk about a team that plays out of New York. You know, the Metropolitans, as I'm going to refer to them, as I change the tone of my voice, because as you know, this is my petty voice. And I absolutely love the fact that the Mets are finally starting to met. Um, and we've, we've pointed this out throughout the season. You know, we got a little a little scared because, you know, like, hey, you know, those guys were playing really well. And, you know, Jake DeGrom and, you know, Max Scherzer. And guess who was on the mound like, yesterday when the mess when the mess met it? Oh, Jacob DeGrom. So yeah. he's a part of the family now with those <laughs> New York people. And, and he's starting to fall into that those things. And obviously he was a little disappointed, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, he's used to putting up zeros, as he um, said. And, and I think that's something that, you know, that we definitely want to keep an eye on as we get closer to the end of the season. It's like, because if Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer aren't doing what they're supposed to do for that team, 
they're very beatable. I just say say that to you, and I think that some of the those are some of the things that we're gonna definitely keep an eye on. But you know, Kyle Wright got his 18th win. Mm-hmm. He's two games away from 20, a 20 game winner. You know, I you know those and this is like something that I really feel like. You know, we talked about yesterday on the show, and as far as how we want to be able to see him come out and have a good outing, give him what he what he showed against us, showed us, excuse me, uh, against the uh, Oakland A's, and for him to come out and have that have a the outing like he did, like yeah. you say, he had bases loaded in the second inning, got out of that, and I think that it was just a beautiful thing to see to watch. Yeah, and when you think about the fact that we have less than 20 games left in this season and you look at what Kyle Wright and Max Fried have been doing of late, yes, Spencer Strider had a little dust up in game one, but still pretty solid along the way, right? I'm looking at the Braves bullpen, comparing it to the Mets bullpen, and yeah, we've got one trending up and one at a at their best. They're, they're, they're stabilized, but really they're kind of trending down. So yeah, when we talk about Kyle Wright, you want to know, you look at him, 18 wins, and you're thinking to yourself, hmm, is he going to get to the 20 wins, right? But then you think about the fact that there has not been literally a brave pitcher to win 18 or more games, and that was 21 victories, by the way, back in 03, and that was Russ Ortiz. And so you ask yourself, Ooh. is he going to get there or not? Well, go to betonline.net, and maybe they'll give you the information that you need in order to figure out whether or not that's a bet that you should make. Also, found this interesting stat. The Detroit Lions are underdogs, have been in 24 straight games now. They are finally favored to win a game this Sunday against the Washington (laughs) Commanders. So that might be a good game for you to take a chance on and bet on. And betonline.net will give you all the guidance that you need to know exactly what to do and how to make that bet. Whether it's NFL, NBA, or Major League Baseball, we just hit NFL and MLB, so hey, might as well hit NBA or even WNBA. Will the Aces pull it off in three games, or will the Sun actually take them to five? You want to know that information? You go to a site like BetOnline.net, listen to their podcasts, look and see what they're telling you to do if you are a novice better, or even if you're an experienced one, or if you want to follow golf when it's in season, MMA, or any other niche sport. They've got information on that too. So again, go to BetOnline.net for all the information that you need about betting because that is where the game starts. It's definitely started. Guess who else has gotten started and getting on a roll and and starting to do his thing? Ozzie Albies, T. Five for five and also with a walk-off home run to put the cherry on top. Oh, my goodness. That was the first time that somebody has done that for the Gwinnett Striper since Orlando Arcia, and that was last year, T. So that actually a cool thing to see Ozzy Albee starting to get healthy. And one thing is that just from a from a thirty thousand foot view, when you take a look at this Brave squad, you really starting to think that they are starting to get on a they all not only starting to get on the roll, come you know stopping a four game or potentially a four game losing streak, but mm-hmm. they're starting to get healthy and have start having some bodies come back that oh. are, can be major contributors once the playoffs get rolling. Exactly. And you look at, again, trending up and trending down because you're looking at those key positions on the mound and at the plate. So, again, we talked about what it looks like in terms of Braves versus Mets. Now we're talking about what it's looking like at the plate and even uh, in the the outfield, right? Because that's going to give Brian Snicker a little bit more leverage when you think about 
Ozzy Albee slowly but surely creeping back. And the fact that he is now hitting 348 in AAA, man, just the thought of being on the cusp of getting him back to full spring should be something that should excite Braves country, especially as you go into these last 18 games. Hopefully they'll be able to get it done uh, at the end of the night because, boy, I tell you, what if the Mets met again? What if the Braves brave again in a good way? <laughs> yeah, now we're, we're talking. Now it's heating back up again. And one of the things I love as well about this is we don't have to sit very long, even though that three-game losing streak felt like forever. But we really don't right. have to sit very long until somebody or somebody's step up for the Braves to get things back on track. And so this was that situation. They were not trying to make this the longest losing streak of the entire season. They kind of saw what was at stake and said, hey, these Mets are manning. They're playing and ending their game a little bit earlier. So we kind of already know what the opportunity is for us. And just good to see them take advantage of it. Yes. And one more quick little blurb about, you know, the Braves, you know, thing, you know, reading, you know, David O'Brien is probably, man, outside of our own guy, Grant McCauley, when it comes to the Braves, he's my go-to as well. Yeah. Now, I saw a little blurb, you know, <clears throat> in a little story. Now, you said that uh, Vaughn Grissom has been taking some fly balls out of their field. So, you know, all these things are starting to really come together. Yeah. Like, okay, how can we keep this young pup? He got a, he got a day off yesterday. You know, gave him a little rest. You know, first time he's actually um haven't taken the day off since he's been up from Double mm-hmm. A. Yeah. Now, and we saw what Eddie Rosario did last night, and we we know what Marcelo Ozuna capabilities aren't in out are not yes out in left field. So I think that you know, hey, why not get a young pup a, a, a run out there once Ozzy Alb come back and get his foot feet up under him and. Mm-hmm. Because you don't want to take a guy like that's bad away because the yeah. patience that he's shown since he's been up to you, I think that this is something that, you know, we definitely want to, you don't want to have him sitting out, you know, and not being able to contribute because he, he, he's a special, special talent. Um, another special talent that the Braves have, have in that young, um, what is it, rookie corner, I think they're calling it in the, uh, in the, uh, in the, in the clubhouse. So I think this is something that we're definitely going to keep an eye on. Speaking of rookies, or, you know, or young players, the, uh, Kyle Pitts is a guy that, you know, he didn't get any targets in the red zone on Sunday. And, you know, people were kind of asking questions and about, all right, dude, number four overall pick. Why aren't y'all using this dude? We'll talk about next how Arthur Smith is going to get him more targets. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and T, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back to ATL Day Ones. I am Tanitra, that is Jarvis. And this show is something that you can catch not only wherever you download your podcast, but also now on Amazon Fire and Roku. So check it out there and let us know what you think. And hey, wherever you can and whenever you can, leave us five-star reviews. And of course, continue subscribing to the Locked On Sports Network on YouTube because man, you guys have us getting closer and closer and closer to 4,000 subscribers. Speaking of closer and closer, we are T, Minus five days away from the next game that we're going to see the Falcons in on the road, that is. They're going to be playing against the Rams. And it'll be an interesting game because you've got a team in the Falcons that want to prove that the first part of the week one game is better than what you saw the last part. And then you've got a team in the Rams that definitely wants to shake off a blasting and blowout from the Bills in their week one game. So it'll be interesting <laughs> to see, but we know that the Falcons are busy installing the game plan and what they're going to do 
against the Rams. And Arthur Smith talked about the fact that, hey, they ran the ball 38 times versus trying to look all pretty with passing stats and everything. But he talked a little bit about what the Falcons are trying to do in that game and what we should expect to see from them in this game in week two. To win the game, he affects the game. I think the one thing that was very encouraging, and I think Kyle, he blocked really well. And we're certainly going to target Kyle, but we also have other good players. I was very encouraged by what I saw about Drake. You know, I thought OZ made some good plays. Good plays indeed. Now, Kyle Pitts, of course, had seven targets in that game, caught two balls for 19 yards. Uh, Drake actually had seven targets as well, five catches for 74 yards. But I think you made a great point in the first segment that we want to dig into a little bit more. And that question becomes, it kind of seems that Arthur Smith was hinting at the fact that there's going to be a little bit more game planning around getting his tight end involved, even though he acknowledged hey, it's great to see that the thing KP wanted to improve on in the offseason was what we saw in game one and hey let's just face it Marshawn Lattimore only one reception between Kyle Pitts and Drake London when Lattimore was on him so you got to give the Saints secondary a little bit of credit in that regard but my question is this I think that the game planning hints at the fact that whether you get Tyler Algier back or not and that gives you you know two or three running backs if you will I think there's going to be more effort on getting that passing game going specifically with with, uh, spreading that ball around so how do you think they're going to work in a little bit more of uh, opportunity for for KP. You know what, to be honest with you, I think there is something to say about how Arthur Smith wants to play football, right? We know that he wants to run the football and he's got a, he got up and he's put that on tape. So mm-hmm. I think that the Rams aren't going to be caught off guard by yeah. the Falcons trying to run the football. Right. And with they're going to see that hey, Kyle Pitts is a real tight end, you know, so he and he showed that he put that on display that, hey, I worked on my blocking. I'm mm-hmm. a better blocker. So therefore, I can be in whatever formations you guys are going to have to really guess what we're trying to do. Right. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times defensive coordinators call their defense according to personnel. Right. So if, if it's 12 personnel and you're thinking that, OK, they're going to come out with two t- tight ends on in line. And then two wide receivers, you know, sitting out there and a running back in the backfield. And then they may come out there with Kyle Pitts in the game. They can come out there and spread out four, you know, or have Kyle Pitts um, lined up in the slot and have a running back. So that was the two totally different lines of thinking when you're talking about a defense as far as what they're going to run or whether they're going to run or pass. So I think that the the for the reason why I think it was so big, and we've talked about this on the, on our show, um, several times for Kyle Pitts to become a better blocker so he can be in on more formations mm-hmm. so he can and they can give him a little bit more diversity as to what play to call within those those set those sets right because mm-hmm. I think that's what Arthur Smith the idea the theater of the mind of of, of Arthur Smith and what mm-hmm. he wants to do and what he want what and what he wants to call as a as a play caller mm-hmm. you you're going to put the defense on their heels because you don't know how they're going to line up. You know what the you know you know what the personnel they have in the game, but you don't know how they're going to line up. And I think that that's why it's going to be a little bit more easier for him to give you know give um Kyle Pitts a little bit more targets because of one mm-hmm. the success of the running game that they put on tape, and two him being the being diverse and being able to hey line up in line and be able to put his hands on somebody and mm-hmm. line, split out wide and be somebody one on one. 
Yeah. And I think, too, that Arthur Smith, he's really a perceptive guy. Right. And right. so he'll kind of watch trends and watch. OK, well, yeah, I acknowledge that I didn't get him as involved as I wanted to do. And, and maybe fans wanted me to. But there's a reason why. However, one of the things that he's going to be looking at, I'm, I'm sure, is not just getting Kyle Pitts involved and getting him more targets, but more importantly, getting him targets in that low red zone, because it didn't show itself as a, a problem in game one nearly as much as it's shown itself, not just last year, but in the last several years. But there were some questions there about hmm, the offense stalling a little bit and them not seeing, fans not seeing what they wanted to see in that red zone. So yeah, I do suspect that he's going to find different ways to not just get KP involved, but get Kyle Pitts the ball and get him the ball in some critical situations to let him deliver. But speaking of critical situations, you know what's critical when it's midday and you're tired? It's critical for you to get your coffee AM so that you can reset for the rest of your day. Coffee AM King here. CoffeeAM.com backslash locked on. That's the website that you need to go to. Now I'm about to tell you exactly why you need to go there because it is critical for me when I get up in the morning at four o'clock to go get my workout on. When I come back, I'm a little down, man. I'm like, cause I, you know, I exhausted all my energy. You know, I'm coming down off my pre-workout and everything. So I'm just mm -hmm. like, ah, oh, man, I need to pick me up because I need to get ready for this show and give you this good greatness. So well, how I do that, I go ahead and give me one of those Kenya K-Cups. I pop that bad boy in there, and it's so quick. It's so easy. And, and to tell you that, you know, Coffee AM is the best small batch coffee roaster in the entire country, I'm not telling you a story. I'm telling you the absolute truth. Now that I've told you, why you need to go there here's this more incentive to go ahead and do it right because you know you know there's always a hook there's always a hook all right now go to coffeeam.com backslash locked on drop in the promo code box locked on and you're going to get 15 percent off of all gift gift sets i'm sorry teas and coffees so if you're not into the coffee thing go ahead and get you some tea and if you're not into the tea thing Go ahead and get a gift set for somebody because you know holidays coming up. It's always somebody's birthday coming up. So go ahead and get it. And so you can get 15% off by dropping locked on in that promo code box. And you and make sure you go ahead and pull up on the best small batch coffee roaster in the entire country. And it's right in your backyard. And speaking of pull up, when you pull up to this show each and every day, Jarvis and I, we're going to give you the same show. We're going to show up five days a week with that same energy. But there were some questions about which Falcons team showed up at what point in week one, game one. So Jarvis, when you think about that and you look at the team that you saw for three plus quarters in week one, do you think that team is going to show up on Sunday? Or do you think we're going to see more of the team that showed up the back half of the fourth quarter when they touched down in L.A. to take on the Rams? I think it was somewhere, they're going to fall somewhere in the middle because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think that it will be – delirious of me to think that you know Cordero Patterson is going to rush for 22 have 22 carries and rush for over 100 yards and they're going to rush for over 200 yards against the Los Angeles Rams yeah. who it's pretty safe to say that they're better up front than the Atlanta Falcons I know that we see we saw some improvement on yeah. the offensive line but I'm I'll be ridiculously dumb if I sit up here and say hey yeah you know they're better up front than the Rams no mm -hmm. not at all so I think that you hope that it's you, they fall somewhere in the middle because you know I think that you know the the Falcons defense, given what we saw last week, 
I think they can take advantage of a few things uh, on the Rams' offensive line because they're mm-hmm. dealing with a lot of injuries. Yeah. Actually, three three guys on the mm-hmm. offensive line are going to be starting for the first time. So I think it's going to be – there's something there. There's something you can take advantage of right there. So mm-hmm. I think Dean Pease is going to put together a nice game plan to be able to take advantage of that because that's just what you do in the NFL. You find a weakness and you take advantage of it. And I think – so I think that – you know, I don't I don't think that the Falcons are gonna get four sacks a game, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't be too shocked if they got one and a half, maybe two. Yeah, because let's just face it, I wouldn't call Matthew Stafford the most mobile quarterback ever. And he's a little hobbled right now. And he'll also, give it away too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's yours for the taking. And I was just going to say that is why I, in part why I believe that AJ Terrell will have a bounce back game. I do not yes. think we're gonna see four quarter AJ. Uh, this coming Sunday, I don't think you're going to see him fourth quarter for four quarters. And also, I think that it depends. You speak about injuries, right? And yeah. questionable players in questionable positions. You do know you're going to get Cooper Cup. What you don't know is whether you're going to get Van Jefferson, Odell Beckham Jr. You really don't know who you're going to get in that wide receiver room. So my thing is, I think that also could be, could be advantage Falcons because I do believe that for some of the kind of miscues that we saw in the secondary, especially oddly enough, uncharacteristically from the cornerbacks in particular, I don't think we see those mistakes again this week. And drops, of course, the depth chart came out for week two on Tuesday. The chart was virtually identical to what we saw in week one. Are you good with that? Should it have been virtually the same or should there have been some moves made anywhere? I mean, I like exactly where it is, and because yeah. you know, only thing is, yeah, even though you know Tyler Algier is at the third string running back, mm-hmm. I would like to see him dressed this week. I That's would. all. <laughs> Period. 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 That's, all, yeah. That's all we're asking of in terms of that depth chart. We don't need to see any changes. I think everybody also should have an opportunity to just be have some consistency and of course my mind immediately went to the only position that even remotely could be in question which would be the center position everything else i think really is stabilized and it's just a matter of in the terms of the wide receiver core or the tight end room who gets more touches same like you said in the running back core and pretty much the end but when we get back we speaking of the old line which hey we've been giving them their flowers for everything they've been doing on the field because it it was a good look for them in week one They've been doing some good things off the field as well. And Coach Sanders with a word for you. We'll talk about it on the other side in For the Culture. Final segment of ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanisha. We want to say thank you for rocking with us throughout the entire show. We really appreciate you. We also appreciate you for pushing us towards 4,000 subscribers. We are right now. We're at a little bit over 3,800. We really appreciate you all. So we need you to push, 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 push that subscribe button if you haven't already. We really appreciate you in advance for that. But T, this is For the Culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, and the culture. And sometimes, what the hell are we going to talk about? Because that's just how we get down on this show. Today is no different. Because Chris Lindstrom, you know, you know, Chris Lindstrom is a guy that I kind of, I'm not acting like I scouted the dude, but he was a guy that when the, the Falcons drafted him and they got him out on that field, he was a guy that I know, knew from day one that, hey, this kid, this cat is going to be very, very special. And I think that for him to be doing – spreading that love off the field as well, mm-hmm. I am not surprised by it because Chris Lindstrom, he surprised four local teachers, 
team with shopping sprees for their students and the classroom. We know how it is with teachers having to come out of pocket. My my wife used to be one as well, and and she totally understands what it is to be able to pay out of pocket to Mm -hmm. make sure you have what you need in order to be able to do what you need to do and let's get these babies to the next grade. And I think that for Chris Lynch to be doing something like this, it is absolutely amazing. And kudos to you, uh, Mr. Lindstrom. Spreading love on the field and off the field as well. Indeed, indeed. Chris Lindstrom is the truth. He is a special guy, so I'm just co-signing on everything you said, and he's showing us what a quality individual he is. And listen, the Falcons have always been about the community, and so this mm-hmm. is something that runs through the course of that entire organization. But also, you, you said it well, educators, especially in the economy that we are dealing with right now, they don't have their extra pennies to be able to do the things that they used to in their classrooms and maybe kind of uh, fill in the gaps with some of their students who maybe don't have as much. And that's right. where someone like Chris Lindstrom comes in and just kind of saves the day. So I was so excited when I saw this because, like I said, we've been giving flowers to the O-line throughout the week on what they've been doing, what they were able to do on the field. And then it was just kind of cool to see how he was able to do that off the field. And of course, it's always cool as well to see, because to me, the O-lineman, that, that's whenever someone says, you know, what's your favorite position group to kind of focus on? The O-line. I've always liked them because I feel like they're cerebral, like they think a little bit differently. They're a little quirky, a little odd in the way they think. And Chris Lindstrom, like you said, you just knew there was a maturity there, right? And right. just like, not just a football IQ, but just an IQ for the world overall. And this was when this guy got drafted. Right. So yeah. now here we are a few years later. And it's funny because I was thinking to myself and of course, no disrespect to Jake Matthews. But when you talk about the quality of play, Chris Lindstrom's your anchor on that O-line. He's mm-hmm. your anchor on that O-line. So you like the guy who is one of the anchors and one of the leaders of the organization on the field to be able to show you, hey, I want to also be not just the leader, but the face, the face of this organization off the field. So kudos to you, Chris, for doing what you do. Yeah, I think the the consistent consistency is a good word to use for Chris because you know my interactions with him have always been great. Yes. Like I said, even after, I, after even after the observation that I made, I brought it up to him. We had a conversation about it. It was kind of it was like really cool to kind of see that light come on. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, he just he just yeah. runs off into a conversation. I was like, man, this is this is what you ask for when you talk about a young offensive lineman coming into mm-hmm. the league, and obviously with the, the draft history that the Falcons have had. You know, if you feel like we talk about Chris Lynch too much or we showing them a little bit too much love, mm-hmm. just look at the offensive line that the Falcons yeah. have drafted in the past 10, 15 years. So, yes. yeah. yeah, you can go down that rabbit hole. I've been there, done that, done my research. So, yeah, I'm going to go give him that man his love. But, yeah, kudos to you, Chris. Really appreciate you for, for helping out the local educators in the state of Georgia. Really appreciate that. Now, T, now – Prime has been a guy that is always going to say exactly what's on his mind, and I absolutely love him for that because not only is my favorite player of all time, but he is the head coach of Jackson State University. And this is a topic that has been pretty controversial amongst HBCU alum and HBCU person um, administration. Mm-hmm. You know, the conversation about whether or not it's good to play in these money games. Yeah. For those you don't know, I know what I'm talking about. A lot of times, when these big um, Power Five schools or you know F, um, F, FBS schools are mm-hmm. looking for teams to play, they oftentimes they'll throw a few hundred thousand dollars at Try you know 
<laughs> yeah. Or yeah, you know, you throw a few, you know, throw those nice little change up to the HBCUs. But I think that, and those conversations whether or not they should play in those games have have come up. But I don't think this is necessarily the case in this in, in this in this you know um, statement by Prime. And I think where a lot of people got off. And I'm on Prime side. Let me go ahead and say that is that mm-hmm. when he said the money that they receive for that game should go solely to the athletic department, and we know how HBCU athletic department struggles, so they try to spread the love just like yeah. Chris Lindstrom. Mm-hmm. But Prime said, Mm-mm-mm. "We don't want not going out there and get our butts kicked. We should get every last dollar to you." Like, what's your thoughts? Oh, I agree. I, I agree. With you. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm yeah, with you. I, I just don't understand why that is even a part of the conversation. If the topic and the debate is whether or not HBCUs or really those schools that are in the FCS period should be a part of these cupcake games. Okay, fine. That's a conversation that maybe you could debate or you can have, but let's just face it. We saw what a Georgia Southern and what an Appalachian state did this past weekend. So there are moments in time where it doesn't just pay off with a check, but also from a recruiting perspective, mm-hmm. talk about being able to, and even FAMU for hanging as hard as they did with the likes of North Carolina earlier in the season, although they didn't come up with a W, but they did it without 20 players dressed, right? So yep. there are still opportunities there to show that the HBCU athlete is a quality athlete as well. However, like Coach Sanders said, The same concept, if you will, of the NIL, right, which is why would we give all the money to the schools when the money's made off the backs of these players? So go ahead and give them an opportunity to make the money off their own names. To me, this is kind of a similar conversation and in that similar vein, these players, these coaches, their staff members, they're the ones who are traveling from point A to point B, because most of the time you go to the Cupcake Stadium, by the way, to play the Cupcake game. Mm -hmm. So when you're doing that and you are usurping all of the extra time that you would have to yourself, then why wouldn't you be able to benefit from it more so than any other part of the, the university if they benefit at all? Now, maybe yeah. they can get a little bit of leftover money. That's fine. But yeah, I do yeah. agree with them. The vast majority of that should go because let's face it, in our PWIs, our predominantly white institutions, that's that money that those universities make that really does uh, underwrite a lot of what goes on on the university's campuses but that's also because it can because if they go play a cupcake game their boosters are going to cover them but because athletic boosters for hbcus aren't quite there yet you really do need most of that money to stay within the athletic department and stay within the organization so that they can be the best that they can be now as far as best as they could be with the Braves, well, let's see what they do this afternoon. Charlie Morton is going to be on the bump. He's going to face off against Carlos Jordan. Ronald Acuna Jr., we see, is going to be back in right field. So good to see nephew Ronnie back in the outfield. Let's mm-hmm. see what we'll do here. And said Marcel Ozuna is going to be DHing this afternoon. And uh, see Von Grissom back at second base. Let's see what he can do. As we always tell you, that top, that bottom of the order, rather, for the Braves is something to behold. So, you know, we'll download on it tomorrow and we'll download on any and everything else that's going on in the Atlanta Sports Network or Metro or Landscape or whatever you want to call it. And as always, stop by ATL Day Ones first for all of your sports talk in Atlanta. But 
after you stop here, you make sure that you guys go to Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. And you can check him out. You can check us out on Amazon Fire and Roku as well. So the more the merrier. You guys have a great afternoon, and we will see you tomorrow. Y'all come back now, you Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.